welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years experience of mental health, disability and human behaviour. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi and welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I am Dr. Tara Quintarillo and today I'm really delighted to be joined by two guests. I have celebrity vet and campaigner Dr. Mark Abraham Ovie and I also have April Baker who is the CEO of Together Co. Hi guys, do you want to introduce yourselves properly and tell us a little bit about what's brought you on today? Yes, I'm April Baker. I'm the CEO at Together Co. And Together Co. is a loneliness charity in Brighton and Hove. And it's been creating connections uh, to help people change their lives for over 23 years. So it runs a range of different programmes, uh, including befriending and this thing called social prescribing, which maybe in a bit we can get into, Tara, Absolutely, as well. Yes. I'll tell you Please about do, that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we have um, over 500 volunteers a year that give their time to support others in our community. Um, you know, it's really about people who are lonely or isolated knowing they're not alone. Um, you know, in a city of over 300,000 people, no one should need to be lonely or, or isolated. Um, and obviously, hand over to Mark in a minute. He's going to tell you about collaboration with Mark and other animal charities as well around loneliness so yeah but that's Together Co and uh, my role. Thank you April. Right Mark well, do you want to say hi and tell us a bit about who you are? Yeah and what you so do? first and foremost I am um, an ambassador of Together Co but I also do other stuff. I am a vet, I'm a campaigner, I'm an author and I also visit local schools to teach about the importance of looking out, for, uh, caring for animals and looking out for one another. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, as I say, I'm a very proud ambassador of Together Co. And I love working with April and, and, and being part of what she's created. Yeah, it's phenomenal. It's really, really quite very special, proud. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm really glad when both of you agreed to, to come on. Because um, my podcast is about bringing kind of stories and narratives of adversity with a little sprinkle of psychology on top but the thing that I want people to take away is what can I do as the podcast listeners that on the train or wherever there may be some things that they can learn but for me the really important bit is what can I go and do because sometimes there's and we know that as psychologists a big gap between I mean well and I want to do stuff but how do we get people starting to do that so we're going to talk about some of those barriers today aren't we um, and how yeah. to work through them so what I'm really interested in is then tell me about your collaboration um, we'll broaden out and talk a little bit more about Together Co as well. But let me know a little bit about your collaboration and what you're hoping to achieve by it as well. Basically, I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for rescue pets, uh, dogs, cats and, and anything else really that, that needs a forever home. Um, and I was already in conversations with uh, April and Together Co. And it just seemed seemed fairly obvious that one of the ways of sort of combating loneliness would be adoption or even fostering of rescue pets. And that can be either permanent adoption, it could be temporary fostering, it could be going to a rescue shelter and volunteering to walk the dogs or cuddle the cats. Um, And it was just a really obvious matchup because we know the benefits um, being scientifically proven many, many times of, of pets 
helping humans and obviously humans helping pets. So it was a, it was a simple collaboration. And um, yeah, it's, it's one that we're enjoying pursuing because it helps both pets and humans. And kind of that's exactly what we're about, isn't it? Absolutely. Over to you. Yeah, no. And what was great is kind of getting creative with this idea as well to kind of reach people's hearts and minds to kind of say, you know, if you're feeling lonely and isolated and what we always say, you know, with Indicator Code, that that's OK. That's a normal human experience because people need people with social beings. But there's lots of different creative ways that you can start to look at that and feel connected, which is to people maybe to places in your local community, but also pets. And when Mark came and spoke to us and spoke to me, it just felt so right and so connected. He also kindly connected us with local um, animal rescue centres as well. And we had a big event, didn't we, Mark, on the pier, which was really successful with, um, with Peter Egan, who came, and Gail Porter, and the pier kindly hosted us. And it was paused to connect uh over the uh february uh so kind of valentine thinking of love in different ways and and i think that for me was that moment when we kind of launched this this initiative really felt quite special and the response we got has been incredible we had um people during that event came along to the pier signed up to volunteer both with together co and with rspca brighton as well so it was really exciting people came and just had conversations people came and brought their dog and engaged with each other so yeah, that was a really ex exciting moment uh, to kind of launch that. And ever since we've just been, you know, going from strength to strength around sort of the piloting of this and people starting to foster cats, we've focused on to start with, um, who are living on their own. So that's kind of where we're at. Now, one of the things that you've mentioned to me before, April, is just helping people understand different types of loneliness is that something you're telling us a little bit about because there might be people listening going well what is loneliness and I like to talk about this quite a lot and one of the things that I like to get across in the media is that people often have a, a misconception of what loneliness is and who it is that Absolutely. is more likely to experience loneliness yeah of course so first off I always start with kind of loneliness and isolation so loneliness can be something that you feel you feel it inside so I could be in a crowded room of people but I feel something and uh, a while ago somebody who has um, been supported by Together Co uh, described it really well and said it's feeling homesick but you don't know what home that you're looking for and I just thought wow yeah, yeah that's just it so it's a su subjective feeling isolation is the uh, kind of objective nature of of kind of not being able to get out so you're isolated maybe because of um, a physical health condition um, or you have to stay in to care for somebody so you can't get out so you've got loneliness and isolation and then in terms of loneliness as well there is different experiences of that so sometimes loneliness can be very much that kind of connection to yourself so not just to others as yeah. well and I think what's really important to stress to people is that it's firstly absolutely normal to feel this because we are social beings but secondly I feel like a lot of images and people's understanding is oh okay so that's when we get older that that may yeah, happen and absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it's not the case um it's a lot of young people experience loneliness and um it's something I experience and I talk very openly about because there isn't no, there's nothing wrong in that experience absolutely. um so when I was in my early 20s and I was living in London and I was going to work and then coming home but I was in a brand new 
area of London. I didn't really yeah. know anyone. My friends were all dispersed across the country. And some weekends I had nothing and no one to see. So I might like pop to like a nail bar just to talk to somebody. Um, yeah. And that kind of, it really, really got to me in the end and actually made me feel really, really low and had quite an impact on my mental health. So I just want to stress to people like, it's okay to feel that way, but it isn't just something that we may experience uh, when we're older as well. Of course it can be, but it's not always. Can I ask a tricky question then? So at that time, did you tell anyone what you were going through or were there barriers? And is it right to ask that? Of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So it's really interesting. I don't think, looking back now, that I recognised I was lonely. So that's the first thing is I did not think I'm lonely. I thought I'm really not well. Yeah. That was the thing. I'm not well. So I need to go to my GP um, and talk about this because I was starting to experience very high levels of anxiety. And at one point started to become agoraphobic where I didn't right. actually want to leave the house. So I very much thought this is this is me. This is completely just what I'm going through. This is and now, yeah. obviously, looking back and people talk more about loneliness thanks to um lots of different things such as um the joe cox foundation and kind of raising awareness as well it's like ah like with mental health you kind of go that's that's what that was actually it was loneliness it was the social need within me then it led to my mental health and my mental health needs as well um but yeah and i don't know back then if i had known i was lonely if i would have spoken out to say I was lonely I found it was easier to go to a GP and say oh, I'm feeling a bit low so yeah so when we think about society and norms and you know the shame that's a big word but some people don't even use that word often enough I don't think um but sometimes it's more socially acceptable to go to the GP and, and quite often as well so we know with emotional health issues that quite often they can show up in the body before we realize what they are there's a huge mind body link isn't there and the reason that I wanted to get this in before we kind of get onto the right what do we want people to be doing I'm just thinking there must be a huge amount of people that don't recognize that they are lonely or that they might be able to as a result of this podcast maybe recognize it in somebody else and maybe begin a conversation um and to me that's really really important that's kind of a core element of what I do so if there are people that are listening that might start to recognize that or already have or in someone else, what are you working on together in terms of those next steps? What are the practical things Mm. that people can do? Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing you mentioned GP, and I mentioned earlier social prescribing. So what you can do, this is across the country, in when you go to your GP practice, sometimes you're going there because you feel there's something wrong, but it isn't something that you need um, a pill for. So there is uh, social prescribers, Uh, in your GP practice you can go and you can say I'm feeling you know there's something not quite right I don't feel connected to people I don't really you know and they will um, refer you to a link worker Uh, so we have those uh, at Together Co and that person will work with you on what matters to you what you enjoy and stand next to you along the way to connect you to places or connect you to things you need but also stand next to you for really tough things like you know uh, we're doing a lot at the moment with uh, connecting people to financial support or housing benefit or you know so there's there's a lot of practical support because you everyone needs someone to kind of support you with that but also like what you enjoy as well so that would be my third thing say is um you know go to look up social prescribing so if you go onto the nhs website social prescribing there's a map of uh where you can go and where who offers that 
the I'll other thing sure is in the show notes as well yeah so that they've just been creating a map with the nhs so you can see where social prescribing yeah. is in the country so that's that's really positive the other thing i always say to people and it's like you know if you go into a bookstore and there's a massive self-help section all this self-help self-help think about helping others yeah that is really important and it's about what obviously we're going to talk about in a moment um with mark it is that volunteering getting out helping others sometimes actually going out and i don't know say you're in a shop and someone drops their shopping and you pick up and help and just have those little moments of interactions Absolutely. they will increase your positive emotion it's so important i think we think we must do something for ourselves and in ourselves and that's what is creating i think this issue in our society of everyone feeling this way is. yeah yeah but it is it's those little moments it's kindness it's connection it's go and help somewhere you know go and give your time to something and come away and see how that made you feel and you will feel good and you'll meet friends you'll feel connected when I um you know was in London and that started to happen I went and started to volunteer doing a mentoring program for people going in and out of prison and I met two people who were also doing that who became my friends you know it, it really does work as well but so they would be my two main things at the moment I'd say to kind of do that and uh, loads of um great websites and places you can go if you're a younger person experiencing loneliness lonely not alone the co-op foundation go to yeah. their website um there's amazing resources on the campaign to end loneliness website and the joe cox, joe cox foundation as well i'll make sure all of this stuff's in our show notes Thank as you. well and just as a side point from that there's a lot of kind of neurological studies that have shown huge changes across all sorts of domains for helping others and that could be something really small up to something more formal like volunteering as well so you say you know when people do brain imaging studies um it's, it's absolutely fascinating that one small act can have such a huge impact on your kind of outlook it can lower yeah. rates of depression it can lower rates of anxiety it can increase your self-esteem but also you know physiological stuff lower your blood pressure um so there's such a huge science behind it as well but sometimes I think kindness is just about doing a nice thing but actually if you can also think that it actually can help you physically and psychologically as well it's a really good thing yeah I was going to say with that I think it's both people benefit as well yeah. from this yeah. um and it's a quick story and then we'll crack on but I just want to say on this um yesterday I was in Dorset uh with my mum and my mum is probably one of the kindest people I know. Like, she would give oh. you her last sock. Um, and we were in a, a coffee shop. You wouldn't give And that's not kind. That's mean. <laughs> just her last one. She had no others. No, it's just one. <laughs> you can't have two. Um, but, yeah, so she was um, in a coffee shop. And they had this uh, thing for charity where you put a pound in, you pick up a stick. And then if it was red, you'd won something. And she won that's something. Cool. But we'd already paid for our coffees um and you know she does pop in there now and again but anyway she turned to the person next to her and said here you have the next free drink then because i've just won this and that man literally stood there in shock mm. for ages and he's like oh oh no one's ever done that and he said at the end oh it really does show there is kindness in the world now obviously that was like i felt really good because i was like oh i'm really proud of my mom i presume my mom felt good because that was a really nice thing to hear back but he felt great that someone yeah. And it's just that one moment of doing that. Imagine Absolutely. if we had little bubbles of that happening all across our community, or we'd all start to feel really good with each other yeah. as well. So that anyway, pay it forward <laughs> model, isn't it? Yeah. That's the yeah. ripple affair. And I think sometimes you don't realise, I think when I started off my little local project here, um, part of that was to try and help the community, but I didn't realise how 
what kind of impact it would have on me. So in the rest of my job, it is quite intense. It's, you know, there's some days I have really long clinics and it's hard to know what to do with everything that's kind of swimming around your head. But by doing the work I do, I've noticed a huge change. And I think my family have in my own kind of emotional health as a result of doing that. And it was just something I wasn't even thinking about. It's just, there's a gap here. We need to, we need to do something. Um, but that's a bigger thing. But as we say, there's smaller things. So let's bring you in then, Mark. There's something that I really want to talk about as well. So I have another podcast episode coming out in a couple of weeks, just looking at the kind of therapeutic benefits of dogs, just with another guest that I had who had a spinal injury and his dog helped him through that and, and still does to this day. Um, and it's just a kind of a fun episode. But then obviously we have you now with your expertise. Is it all right to just start with, why are we talking about animals? What was it about animals that made you think, right, that's a way to get people connected, you know, rather than other kind of human projects? Well, first of all, I want to say that I'm still waiting for my second sock from April's mum. <laughs> and I'd like to know when that will arrive, because, you know, obviously I can't now leave the house. It's a type of agoraphobia. Um, sock oh, wow. um, oh, I guess okay. I mean, I've, always, I've always, obviously I've been, I'm a vet and I've been a vet for oh, nearly 28 years. So I've always, I've always uh, obviously loved animals ever since I was teeny tiny and trying to always find and explore ways to help them, as well as being a vet. Um, I think because I sort of got myself a media profile a few years ago, I was linked then to various animal charities and made maybe more aware of the rescue situation. Certainly after yeah. COVID and after the pandemic with a cost of living crisis, um, we have more pets being abandoned and, and sort of queuing up to go into rescue than ever before. Yeah. And that's for a number of reasons. Mainly, they were poorly socialised or inadequately socialised during the first two lockdowns. Um, people famously bought so many puppies, maybe two million puppies in the UK, who couldn't then meet other humans or other dogs. So now they're sort of teenage puppies, two, three years old. A lot of them have behavioural issues, um, yeah. which means that maybe people haven't invested in dog training as that maybe they should have done. Yeah. And also they're at a point now where it's another mouth to feed. So are we now seeing abandonment because they're too expensive to keep and maybe yeah. even too troublesome to keep in terms of their behaviour, which means the rescue shelters are not only having to deal with a surplus of dogs, potentially with problems that need slightly longer to rehabilitate and therefore rehome, but also yeah. a lack of donations and a lack of government support in the rescue charity sector. So... As always, the dogs are on the receiving end of just all sorts of negativity um, and, and they need our help. And I think that there's a lot of people out there that don't maybe uh, appreciate or acknowledge how much they can help. And I think that's why I was excited to talk to you today, Tara, because I know we're both rescue dog fans. But it, rescuing a dog doesn't just mean rescuing a dog. It can mean yeah. temporarily rescuing a dog or cat, i.e. fostering, it can mean, as we said at the top of the show, um, going to a rescue shelter and just sort of cuddling a cat for a few hours or walking a dog. So there's all different levels of how we can help dogs and help rescue shelters and help cats. Um, now, this is mutually beneficial, as we've mentioned also, studies have shown how pets benefit us you know they alleviate stress they lower our heart rate all the stuff that we mentioned about just being kind they provide companionship they help us become physically active they fight depression yeah. 
Um, they encourage our physical fitness. They are the ultimate icebreaker when you're out walking your dog to meet other people. It's oh, absolutely. Huge, huge yeah. talking point. Um, they facilitate healing and resiliency. Um, but but really, as, you know, more, more relevant to what we're talking about is this addressing social isolation and loneliness. And there's been so many studies um, about the role of pet interaction and how important it is to reduce loneliness um, and also to have routines, a sense of uh, yeah. worth, a sense of purpose. We've all seen the famous scene, the moving scene in, in Ricky Gervais's Afterlife, um, where, you know, the dog saves him, really, because he, he needs to be there to be responsible to look after his dog. And, and I think that's a really just, it's a brutal scene, but it, it just shows that we will have a responsibility to, to look after dogs and cats. Um, yeah. And how much they give back and how many people I think would benefit from those interactions, be it yeah. a cat cuddle or actually adopting full time uh, a dog or a cat. So it's, it's really starting these conversations off and just making people aware of the opportunities that they actually have when they probably don't know them all. If that makes any sense. So many good points there. Is there anything yeah. you want to chip in before I do, April? I mean, when Mark's talking, the two words that came to mind for me were unconditional love as well from from an animal. Yeah. And, and, and that is something very special. And actually, when you're feeling isolated, when you're feeling disconnected, that can really, really help in massive ways. And, it, and when Mark was talking, I was like, oh, my gosh, I wish I'd been listening to a podcast like this and thought about fostering or adopting a cat back in the yeah. time in London because I was like oh my gosh yes of course I grew up always having pets in the home I didn't think about that yeah you know it's it's yeah. yeah so just I think it's an incredible initiative and I was so pleased when Mark came on board with us at Together Co and uh yeah we're combining this together I found I found a really interesting point when I was when I was looking for things to talk about I mean I could I could talk about this forever obviously but there was one piece of research I found that dog and cat owners laugh more daily than people without pets. And they obviously <laughs> laugh like their pets or with their pets. But it's a lovely, it's a lovely, uh, it's a lovely study that someone's done. And you know, we need to laugh and we and also obviously pets provide distraction and, and encourage us to be active, both physically and mentally. So it, you almost have to spin it around and say, why wouldn't you? You know, yeah. um, why like that. consider an activity that involves pets? And, you know, we've described the whole spectrum, but really contact your local rescue shelter and ask what you can possibly do to help. And they'll be so happy. And who knows, maybe you'll end up fostering, rescuing, or just dog walking or cat cuddling. But it's all possible. Maybe all of the above. Who knows? And there's something about flexibility there as well, because I know there's a couple of points that just come to mind from what you've both said, that we're in a really fast-paced world at the moment. I read somewhere recently that we're literally consuming the equivalent of a hard drive every few hours because everything's so fast and so instant. And that's from our, you know, physical connections, but from phones and laptops, you know, Netflix now, the next episode loads. So we're so overloaded that I'm not sure most people, perhaps even since the pandemic, have pressed pause and gone, where am I at? where's my emotional what do I need what am I missing so like you said you know when you're moving to London when you first leave home and you're kind of navigating the world sometimes you don't press pause because you're just straight on that kind of treadmill and how we can help people maybe today if they're sitting and listening to a podcast they've done the first thing so they've just stopped for a bit to be able to listen hopefully all 
the whole way through um, or they come back to it, but they just start to evaluate because I don't think most people, and even if it's all right to say, I'm bringing my own friends. I have friends who are avid dog lovers and cat lovers and have those that have never had them and they're quite rigid in the thinking and they won't mind me saying that. And I have to work quite hard with them to go, look, come and spend some time with my dogs or my cat that I had. See what it's like to see, you know, so many of them like, oh, I feel really chilled when I leave your house or I love to come and meet them. And it's just, I think some people have very rigid views or perhaps you've had, and Mark, maybe you can help with this. Some people have had bad experiences with animals. So it's kind of breaking down some of those barriers that might get someone from today to start thinking about, well, what could I do that involves a local rescue centre? You know, if someone's maybe got a history where they're scared of dogs, well, how could you get people like that to kind of lean into that and maybe get around it and think about animals? 100% and that's why the staff at rescue shelters are so knowledgeable and so brilliant yeah. at just becoming this um, reservoir of, of yeah. what's appropriate and what isn't with, with every single animal under their care yeah. and they are the ones to go that you know I mean you get a lot of people don't realize you get puppies in rescue people do always assume like the olden days it's just yeah. you know you know, aggressive, naughty dogs that just pee everywhere. It's not. The, you yeah. know, these days the rescue animals are res animals whose owners have maybe passed away, owners yeah. who've maybe gone into temporary accommodation, especially at the moment with the whole mortgage crisis. Absolutely, you've got owners yeah. that have run out of money. Um, you've got so many reasons why animals are in rescue. It's nothing to do with their behaviour or peeing everywhere. Yeah. It's just because they, they just, there's a lovely expression that I heard years ago called plug-in pets. You know, their, their behavior is absolutely fine. They are toilet trained. They are fully vaccinated. They're wormed. They're fleed. There's nothing wrong with them. They're just plug-in pets. They're ready to go. And I think, again, there's this stigma of like being bad pets. On the yeah. flip side of that, and I've learned this in the last few years from, from friends who have adopted very, very damaged dogs. So, for example, dogs that have been rescued from puppy yeah. farm pets, breeding dogs. If a dog has an issue, behavioral, medical, whatever, it actually increases that bond when you're working so closely together to fix yeah, them, yeah. to improve their health and welfare. So really look at it as a project in terms of what can I do to help maybe the most damaged animal get better? And that can only sort of, you know, really reinforce that bond. Uh, and, and you kind of bounce off each other in terms of how you improve the life of, of that pet, which obviously will then improve your life too as a result so there's, there's again lots of things to think about but it's having these conversations that hopefully someone listening hopefully more than one person listening will think oh let's give that a go or, or i know someone that this would benefit um so thank you for providing this um, platform time oh i think it's so well i'm an avid animal lover so we were talking just before we hit record weren't we and I didn't know you could just go and cuddle cats so that's a bit dangerous in my house because I'm gonna be we have two lovely local rescues to where we are in Horsham um, and I follow them avidly but I didn't know you so I didn't know that and I thought I was quite well you know skilled up in what's happening locally um, but the other thing I've just realized as well that there might be some people who aren't in a position to do that but they might know someone that they could just have the conversation with so mm -hmm. you've already got a like me a house full of pets and you just can't take another one on at the moment but there's nothing to stop me having conversation with friends and saying did you know you could do this um, and it doesn't have to be a pathway does it so just to kind of make that clear that you could just be someone who wants to go and just walk dogs or just go and cuddle cats so you don't it's not a kind of an expectation that you would then rescue an animal or foster an animal is that right 100 and i yeah. think april april will agree with me i mean there's there's the chatty cafe uh, culture now popping up all over the country you know people just you know hosting 
yeah. basically a table surrounded by people. And I'm pretty sure if you have a pet that or a dog that's well behaved and likes meeting other people, obviously always put the dog's welfare first and take them along to a chatty cafe. So obviously check the venue's dog friendly. And and the dog, I'm pretty sure, will become the focus of everyone's attention. And if and if there's and we see this in care homes and pets as therapy dogs, that's the event, is the dog coming. And old people, especially in care yeah. homes, they can't wait for the next visit of the pet dog. So if you haven't got a dog, but you love dogs, that becomes something so important and something to look forward to. And, and I guess represents hope in, in, on a very short term scale. Absolutely. And keep, I think probably keeps a lot of people going. Because I'm wondering, actually, when you look at kind of research then over loneliness and compassion, giving to others, spending time with others, a lot of those studies are really, you know, they're over quite an extended period of time. And I'm not up to date. Maybe I should have read this before we did this podcast. But I'm just wondering if you just take the science behind hope, because there's a huge scientific basis behind hope. It's not just a kind of a nice, friendly term. Even if you're having short bursts, I just wonder what the impact of that is on you. It doesn't have to be that you are spending, you know, a prolonged period. Um, and, and hope, however short, we, we know that there's this huge scientific base behind that. Because um, it just reminded me, actually, one of my son's preschool, they used to do regular visits to a local um, elderly residence here. And that was so well received. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think anyone's ever done that locally with dogs. You might be onto something there in terms of the chatty cafe, cafe equivalent for dogs. Um, I know people have kind of friendly dog walk meets and things, and I see that advertised a lot. But, you know, for people that maybe that might be a bit much, um, there may be something in that. <laughs> I might steal that idea and run with that locally. Right. Um, but, <laughs> so I'm thinking in terms of how can we help? So if there's somebody listening today who's like, oh, I didn't know, right, you could go and do these things. How can we get them from kind of chair to those next steps because i know you partner with is it rspca brian or are there other rescue centers that you guys kind of partner i mean with? There's, there's so many rescue shelters i mean across the country across the world you just have to google you know where you live and, and put in rescue shelter um there's also the association of dogs and cats homes who have quite a comprehensive list okay. on their website um right. but there's local rescues all over the place and um they'll only be too pleased for you to contact them and offer help whether it's as i say coming along or maybe even just donating or taking down some newspapers or, yeah. or buying yep. some tins of dog and cat food in the supermarket when you're next there and dropping them down again it's the sense of purpose and this yes. and this encouraging of interaction that's so so important even just to distract from feelings of loneliness and social isolation so there's so many boxes being ticked and at the end of the day yeah. of course the animals benefit humans benefit and who knows what relationships can come of it, you know. Absolutely. Just, just, it's, and it's so simple. And, it, you know, it's that's what's wonderful about it. It's the simplicity. And it's a human-animal bond that's been celebrated for, for thousands of years. And, and now yeah. we're using it as a form of social prescribing and, and, and tackling loneliness. Which I think is lovely. So coming back to the social prescribing, um, in terms of the social prescribers that, obviously come through together co can some of those support people so there may be people going i want to do this but how do i get there or i'm a bit anxious about leaving the house or is that something that your organization can help with locally absolutely so um obviously our organizations within the brighton hove area yeah but again you can go and speak to your gp or look up on the nhs around social prescribing because the idea with social prescribing and meeting your social prescriber is they work about what is important to you 
Yeah. Uh, so yeah. they would it's really person centered, isn't it? It's yeah. very person centered, very strength based about, OK, we're here, but what can we do now? Uh, yeah. Small steps as well. What we do, particularly locally, is say, let's say there is an example where somebody's like they're listening and they're like, oh, actually, yeah, sounds really good. But where do I start? Yeah. You know, you, you can often feel for me, I'll talk about my experience, like when you're lonely, you can almost not know where to take the next step because you're yeah. You know, you're not feeling good as well. So it's about that person helping you take that first step. So they would research the rescue center areas. They would, you know, help go to those places. We also have a program where we have um, people that help you connect. So we have volunteers who do befriending, which is like the longer term relationship. Ah. But we also have the connector roles. So that would be yeah. someone who, you know, really loves dogs, really loves cats as well. It's like, absolutely. Yeah, April, I'll come along with you. Let's go and have a look together and yeah. suss this out so you don't have to do it on your own as well. We set up that whole package for that person then so they can go and experience it. So I'm just thinking, so I'm linking with the, um, I have a kind of an agreement with um, the local befriending service here that's run by the Citizens Advice. Um, and they do some fantastic work because they can also provide transport as well. And they can, um, they have a model where they can kind of give people three kind of introductory sessions if they're taking them somewhere. So if someone comes along to my project, they can have someone to support them just for the first few times. Um, and I hadn't thought about that when we're looking wider afield and other things to do is how you, because for some post-social prescribers through the NHS in my area, they're not able to provide that one-on-one -on -one going with you. It's more about signposting. So I'm just thinking about how this might help people listening. Or, or if there's any other professionals, other people, running projects how we can all link in with our social prescribers and befriending services and a lot of those are picking up again after the pandemic because I know in my job prior to the pandemic there was a real dip in those kind of local services and it was really hard if you're working with people and you just need support for them to get somewhere and you know there's a lot of barriers about leaving the home and obviously since the pandemic there are some people who haven't left the house still apart from just basic shopping and things um and we know don't we from the kind of neuroscience the psychology of it that sometimes that first step is really hard it's not as easy as get your coat on let's go check the bus timetable so sometimes people do need a bit of kind of external support to, to kind of get out in terms of next steps for people, I want to make it really practical. So someone's listening now, so they can make sure I've got this right. You can literally Google where your local rescue centres are. Your campaign, the kind of pause to connect, is that Brighton area? So anybody who's in Brighton and Hove, or does it extend beyond that? So it's um, Brighton and Hove um, for, with Together Co and right. RSPCA Brighton. But Mark, sorry, you're probably going to say actually. No, I was going to say it, there, yeah. it was kind of set up just as just to see what would happen, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Sadly, I mean, April mentioned the launch. It was one of those rainy days, wasn't it? In the, it was. Year, which was, really which was ranked on either side by the most beautiful sunshine week. <laughs> we did it on the weekend. And it was horrible. So it was, it, we didn't really, um, it, it was sad, wasn't it? Because we had so much to, to give, it felt, but it, it was just rainy. So we kind of launched it then. I have a vision that, I mean, it's obviously not, not specific to Brighton. It could be anywhere. And I, and I would love it to be nationwide, even worldwide. It's literally just those pause to connect, just to start that little conversation that, uh, 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 and to promote, you know, the benefits of fostering and adoption uh, of pets to combat loneliness. It's that simple. Yeah. We're certainly not precious to, to Brighton. And I want to also want to make quite clear, we've talked a lot about dogs and cats, but this applies to guinea pigs. It applies to rabbits. Yeah, yeah. All pets, don't want to exclude then. anyone. <laughs> yeah, every, you know, there's... There's, there's there's a pet for everyone in every rescue, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, you know, make that first step, email, go down there if you can, leave the house. 
and just just inquire and just start that conversation because you never know where it's going to lead. So if anybody listening now, so bringing the psychology then, stick a reminder in your phone for, I don't know, 24 hours later, I'm going to make a call or you can do it now after the podcast. Set yourself some little anchors, I would say, behavioural anchors. When could I go? How would I get there? Search the bus routes, whatever it is. What support do I need? Make a little plan. Um, the other thing I've just realised as well, I'm a huge guinea pig and rabbit person. Oh, my goodness. You can go and presumably then can you just go and spend time with guinea pigs and rabbits and just oh my goodness <laughs> i really don't do this podcast now <laughs> i've gained a lot obviously it depends on the rescue because they will have their rules and protocols which is absolutely fine um but yeah it all starts with that that phone call or that email and and who as i say who knows where it'll end up and how absolutely. many animals you'll end up helping and how many animals will end up helping you it's easy. That's the other thing as well. This isn't doesn't have to be hard, does it? And I think what we've done today is maybe broken down a few kind of barriers or misconceptions about how you can link in with animals. A, what loneliness is. So even if somebody's not ready to go today or to, to look up something today, maybe if they can just spend some time thinking about, is that me? Am I the lonely person? I was doing some research recently for a, a program that I did, and um, I didn't realise the amount, and you mentioned this, sort of young people, the kind of 18 to 24-year-olds, that are experiencing loneliness at the moment but don't realize that you know they're in social situations all the time or going away to union surrounded by people in this presumably lovely new experience but actually experiencing really high rates of loneliness it's quite shocking actually I think um that's a demographic we definitely don't tend to associate so I'm thinking you know this is this podcast is for any age range it's marked as explicit because we do talk about mental health issues and trauma um so maybe it's more that we get adults listening because of that but anybody can go and do this you know as long as you're independent you can travel it doesn't have to be something and I know some people in my local area that just go and walk dogs um of the younger generation and they really love that and I'm thinking Mark does it also help is there any kind of evidence base on the compassion side does it help the kind of dogs rescue center journey if they're having regular interactions with people and if they've had you know trauma histories for example and need to be rehomed presumably that's all helpful of course, the more interactions, the better, you know, and yeah. as long as it's done appropriately and with the dog's yeah. welfare, uh, physical and mental in, in mind. And that, again, yeah. is determined by the staff of the rescue shelter yeah. who know that dog and they know the backstory or cat, um, then yeah. presumably they'll, they'll, they'll build some sort of rehabilitation plan, which involves interactions and exercise yeah. and, and, and they'll take it stage by stage. So there's nothing really to, to put, hopefully nothing to put you off starting that journey um and it, it and look at it as an exciting journey because you know you're going to be helping yeah. yourself obviously but you're going to be helping potentially uh many animals and also providing a space for the next animal to fill so you're kind of emptying the shelters um because there's so many animals that need these rescues and one thing yeah. we, we hosted an event in westminster um a few months ago and one of the sad things that came out of it that was revealed was that rescues are having to say no to dogs and cats coming in because they're so yeah. full. So, and it's creating yeah. a, an unbelievable level of depression with the staff of rescues who only went into rescue to provide those places and rehabilitate and rehome. Yes. And to say no to animals that desperately need to be rehomed uh, and, and enter the rescue shelter, it's, it's destroying them mentally. So, you know we can all do something and and if we can be part of emptying the shelters or donating or providing a a, a better uh, experience for these animals and obviously the staff then please consider it 
So I'm thinking today, there isn't any reason why people can't start to start checking with their own mental health. One thing that's really come to mind for me, April, as well, is and I, from what I've read about Together Co, you mentioned something at the beginning about, you know, social prescribing, I think, has been a really great thing. There's been really mixed reviews when you look at some of the kind of media um, discussions around them. But I personally, in my local area, I think they've been a fantastic addition. Um, but you mentioned something about, you know, not just going to the GP for that pill and there is still such a heavy reliance on kind of gp medication and really traditional routes for particularly mental health issues that actually there's something quite empowering for people to about managing their own emotional health that's something i'm really passionate about that there are some people who do need that professional support but a lot of people can do preventative work and can do a lot of kind of rehab on their own mental health by doing things for themselves you know getting out connecting and even when you're walking that dog you're connecting with the dog but you're also in fresh air and there's huge evidence about just walking for processing emotions more efficiently. So for me, I really like the ideas that we've discussed today about people just taking charge of their own well-being. You know, that this is really preventing. You don't have to wait and sit on it. And I don't know if you have any thoughts on that before we finish. Uh, I think that is so right, because there is a place for um, medication, yeah. of course, um, and I would never, you know, say that there isn't, but there is so many other things you can do. And you're exactly right. That gives you agency. You, you can do this. You can take a very small step, like just researching a rescue centre today, just sending one email to the rescue centre, um, researching some animals <laughs> that you might be interested in. And a couple of points I wanted to make on that as well is, firstly, um, obviously it is difficult if, you are in rented and I do appreciate that as well yeah so I just want to make aware of that so it's, it's just point. you know you you can kind of go in and do uh, maybe some you know find out what opportunities are for volunteering but also yeah. the cost of living I wanted to to pick up on as well and something that I felt was really beneficial in terms of fostering is that if you foster cats or dogs but I know definitely with cats because that's the pilot we're doing they yeah. will help cover the costs as well yeah. so you then get that benefit, but also because of cost of living and going, how am I going to afford this? It's a really lovely way where everyone, yeah. including the wonderful animal, is benefiting as well. So I just, so I just want to mention that. That's a really, no, really good point. Situation as well. Um, that yeah, just to highlight that, to don't feel like you can't do this. Do do look into fostering as well. Because that's probably something that comes. I would have thought straight into someone's mind is, oh, but you know, I'd like to, but I can't afford it. So it's a really good point, actually. I'm glad you brought yeah. that in. Um, yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to bring in, Martin? I think we haven't covered. No, I think we've covered loads. Okay. I mean, it's, it's and that's and that's it in a way. It's just the simplicity. It's you know, pick up the phone, yeah. go online, look up where your local rescue shelter or shelters are. Be be aware that they all have their own protocols and their own rules, and some will be potentially more up for it than others in terms of you yeah. coming on the premises or you know but just do your research and if you can get there um then do it and you know there's we're in the summer now and there's quite a lot of charity dog shows around and a lot of shelters will be having fundraisers and dog shows yeah. and maybe even yeah. ask if you could volunteer i mean they all need volunteers as we know we went to the rspca one didn't we tara yeah, um, yeah. they all need volunteers just to be part of helping the rescue animals on the day so it's a nice entry level volunteering um, yeah. role to sort of get to know people, be part of a team, again, sense of purpose. And, yeah. and again, who, who knows where it goes after that? So, but you just, you do have to get out there um, 
and have that shared love of animals and, and that's usually what takes you along that journey and that you won't be the only one there'll be loads of people that's really good timing so my dog's in the background because the amazon man's just arrived i knew that would happen <laughs> He always manages to sneak in most podcasts at some point. Oh, he almost knows. That. <laughs> That's him saying, look, look what a great life you can have. <laughs> the other thing as well I'm just thinking is you can follow people on Facebook so I follow all my local rescues on Facebook and that's where you really get to know the stories and that's I think yeah. quite special so you get to hear about them what they're experiencing quite a lot of them will post what they need what they don't need from the community just just on that point it's worth it's worth noting that if you can't afford to donate which a lot of us can't yeah you can share on you can share those posts on social media and yeah. that sometimes Good is point. just as valuable as donating money and sharing on your networks and sharing on Twitter and Facebook or Instagram, whatever, because just getting the word out about these animals and that the, just even the concept of rescue animals can sometimes yeah. maybe trigger someone and go, oh, hang on a minute, I could maybe uh, have a dog or a cat or know someone that could benefit. So the more we share and the more we interact, and I'm pretty sure April will agree with me, the more we connect, um, I think Absolutely. the more positive a society that that we'll live, it, we'll live in and share with animals. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. I need to do more of that. I don't share. I'm not going to make that. That's going to be my next 24-hour mission. I'm going to do a post and share it because I quite often just retweet things and then yeah. I forget to do it and that's not great really. So I'm going to. that's my thing I'm going to take away from today. I'm going to go and do that. And I'm also going to go and Google whether I can stroke cats at my local rescue and go and hide and do that. I'll probably end up getting an ASBO. So if people want to find out more about you, as they're going to want to, where can they find you? Let's start with you, Mark. Where do you kind of hang out on socials, websites? I'm, I'm a big Twitter fan. So um, Twitter is Mark the Vet, M-A-R-C-T-H-E-V-E-T. And I also yeah. have a Facebook page, which is Mark the Vet. But I actually have a website now, um, I always did, but then it sort of stagnated and didn't work. But I've just redone it, and uh, it's called markthevet.net. M-A-R-C-T-H-E-V-E-T.net. Yeah. Fantastic. I'll put all these in the show notes as well. Thank um, you very much. What about you, April? Where do we find you? And Together Co, of course. So Together Co, uh, website, obviously, uh, togetherco.org.uk. Really easy way to connect with Together Coast, drop us an email. Uh, we have a single point of access that's uh, running Monday to Friday. So it's hello at togetherco.org.uk. Drop us a line, we'll pick it up and respond. Um, okay. We're on all the, the social platforms as well. So you can find us uh, on Twitter, Instagram, at hello togetherco. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn. And that's mainly where you'll see me is on LinkedIn as well. So April Baker or hello together co i'll be coming to stalk you now as well because i don't think i found you yet <laughs> <laughs> thank you for coming on but i can't let you go so my signature move which i've realized every passing podcast really shows my age because i've had some people that go what's the signature move is <laughs> if you were to give us one adversity takeaway each what would it be so one little nugget about loneliness connecting with animals what might that be who wants to go first i'm not allowed to yeah. let you go until you do <laughs> Oh, I think you're going to say that. I always get thrown with last minute questions like this. So I'm always like, got to say something really impactful. Come on. Um, so what's the takeaway? A little nugget of information around loneliness for me is please know your social health is key 
for a good life and know it's it's so important for you it's okay if it's not great right now you can build it but the answer within the good life is your relationships so invest in those and even if it's like we're talking about a relationship with your pets as well yeah that's my bit in terms of all the reading I've done around what makes a good life it is our relationships so start today have that research um for people and pets thank you Mark have you got a little nugget a little takeaway I think it's just reinforcing what we've already discussed. It's just do something nice for your local rescue. And that could just mean researching it and following them on socials. Or as we said, sharing a post on Facebook of an animal that desperately needs a home or donating or, you know, connecting and and going down there or just speaking to them on the phone about how you could possibly help them and help their animals. So, yeah, just make that first step, because if you help your local rescue, you're going to be helping uh, the lives of those rescue animals. And there's that famous quote, you know, um, about help it, saving the life of one animal won't change the world, but it actually will change the world for that particular animal. Oh, I like that, yeah. And, that and don't lovely. underestimate how important that is because I think saving the life of that particular animal may even save your life too. Yeah, I love, love that. that. I would say just one little thing. If you follow your local rescue on Facebook, quite often they will do posts of how animals get on and there's been one dog in one of my local rescues for a good couple of years that finally got a home recently and so many people were talking about it I heard people in coffee shops saying that this particular dog got a home and that's nice even if you're not part of it just to follow the journey makes you feel good I was going to say just carrying on from what you just said the the sort of the dogs especially the long stay dogs or cats we call them they call them the sticky ones because they stick around for so long they almost become celebrities in themselves don't they and they have their followings as you've just mentioned everyone's talking about them so maybe the takeaway message is to try and um, promote and and make even more uh, dogs or cats or even rabbits that are are long stays famous and talked about and maybe that will encourage people to adopt or foster them as well or just donate or go and cuddle or walk them that kind of they just stay with you those things don't they, they do. thank you so much for coming on it's been brilliant um and i can't wait to get this episode out there so i will get thank you so much get you yeah, out. Thank, thank you, you. I really appreciate being invited on That's yeah okay. really do thank you so much lovely to see you Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Psychologist podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm Dr. Tara Quintrillo and you can find me at drtara.co.uk. You'll see everything I'm up to, free resources, my media work and my new COVID recovery clinic as well. Remember to please rate and review my podcast. It really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us. The Adversity Psychologist podcast, helping you step at a time.